Welcome everyone to episode 15 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, what has happened this week as we approach December 12th, 2016? What has happened in the world of pro wrestling? Well, today is James Ellsworth's birthday, so we would like to wish... My good friend and future WWE World Heavyweight Champion, James Ellsworth, a happy birthday. How old is he turning today? He turned 32. He's only 32? He's only 32. He looks a lot uh, older than that. Right? Sorry. He does. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, he got robbed his uh, heavyweight title shot on Tuesday yeah. because AJ with that fake injury. He's you know? getting it this Tuesday. So Really? Is, yeah. it, is that advertised? That Tuesday? is advertised. That is, it's happening. So, so what's your prediction there? He's walking out with the title. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think Dean Ambrose is going to be interfering in that match. So. Oh, well, I see that happening for sure. But yeah. I, I have faith in James Ellsworth. Well, you got to believe. Yeah. Any, He's made it this far. Any man with two fists has a fighting chance. Two hands. Two hands. Well, see, a hand can make a fist. See, there you go. Mickey James signs a new contract with WWE. Is that right? Yes. Wow. Well, congratulations, Mickey James. That is, that's rumors now going around locker rooms is so... Now, I remember after the TakeOver show that I had read that they were impressed with the TakeOver match, and so, yeah, her yeah. having more dates, she, she seems fine. I mean, yeah. she seems like she's still got it. Yeah. It would be great. I think she should stay in NXT to help out the a, younger people. I think it's a SmackDown thing, I think, to try to build the women's brand on SmackDown. which I, I kind of feel like the women's brand on SmackDown is healthier than Raw's. That's what I was going to say. I think Raw kind of needs her more than anything. But. Well, Raw's got the three big current stars, and then that's it. Like, you have three, Bailey, Charlotte, and Sasha, and that's pretty much it. I mean, Nia Jax is there, but she wasn't even on Raw on Monday. All right. So, what are they doing? I mean, what... Well, I mean, what do you think about them finally giving Natalia a push? With, I, I just don't... With this whole thing with her and... I don't like being... I don't like the gimmick of the cat lady. I think this is weird. <laughs> I, I mean... I don't think she was the one that attacked Nikki backstage. I think it's going to end up being somebody else. Really? Yeah, I think that this is going to... This is going to take until WrestleMania to get figured out. Maybe it's Mickey James that attacked her backstage. Maybe something like that. There you go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like she's wrestled Nikki Bella quite a bit, though, right? Yeah. You got... Uh, while we're on the women... Uh, Emma turning into Emmalina. That's Monday. Is Tomorrow this Monday, night. yeah. What do you think that's going to be? I don't know, but I hope this one sticks. She's a talented, talented wrestler. Well, I thought and, the last gimmick and, with just the hat and the sunglasses. I mean, the hat, the sunglasses, the gloves, whatever yeah, that was. Little, I mean, it was you had dancing Emma, then you had heel Emma, and so now you have Emmalina. I, I don't know what the gimmick is. I don't know if it's just supermodel or what, but I mean... She is attractive. She can wrestle. Well, there were some people that said that maybe it's a giant swerve and that she she comes out dressed like a man. You know, nowadays that might actually happen. Well, it would just it would be funny because all these if she's just like Eva Marie though. Yeah. I mean, being an attractive woman is sort of all the females gimmick, you know, like Right. So, is she going to like wrestle in a bikini or are we go well, back? I mean, we go She's trying know. to take us back to the attitude era divas maybe. That would be nice to some degree. I think there needs to be a happy medium. But the uh, you also have... Um, I think it'll be nothing. It'll sort of be like Kurt Hawkins, how they do all those... They run all those promos, and then you see the guy for a minute, and then he's just 
disappears. That's so. true. What happened to Kurt Hawkins? <laughs> I don't. Holy shit. The Kurt Hawkins facts. Right, I yeah. like blinked and he was there and gone. Well, remember he kept saying, oh, my, my debut's tomorrow or whatever. My debut's coming up this week. Then he wouldn't be on the show. And then he was on that pay-per-view. He was on, like, the pre-show. And he got jumped before he could wrestle. And then he finally... He actually ended up debuting on main event, I think. And then... They canceled main event. Well, the, no, main event's still on. Superstars oh, superstars. Okay. Uh, and then he was on the show for a couple weeks. And now, yeah, just totally forgotten about. But they had all those hype videos, you know? Or, yeah. I, so that, I don't have high hopes for Emelina. Just based on... It seems like when they run these vignettes about... With it being a raw thing, I'm hoping so. Because... That leads into my next one with Charlotte, Charlotte slapping Rick on uh, on Raw Monday. I don't like this this swerve of a thing. Oh, my daddy wasn't ever home. My daddy didn't, you know. My daddy's unimpressed by me. Uh, it's garbage. Well, it's really tough to buy because yeah, like I said, Rick was by her side for three years. I mean, right. She was on this episode of Nitro we're about to review. Yeah, it's like you're trying to sell me on something that is. We all know to be a bunch of bullshit. Like, yeah. That Charlotte all of a sudden decides that she doesn't like her dad. He did take a hell of a slap from Charlotte. That was a stiff slap. He told her to lay it in. He, and she, yeah, she, she delivered. Did. She laid it in. Um, but yeah, I just... I think <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I don't... The storyline. What do you think of this Iron Man? A female Iron Man match? What do, between these two, we've only we have seen these two fight so many times in so many different ways. And at, at the point in time, it's getting to where they've got nothing else they can do. They've done the same moves. It's the same match every time. Now you're throwing them in a thirty-minute Iron Woman match. You're just going to see the same moves doubled instead of a fifteen-minute match. You're going to see it twice. For the most part, I, I know you'll disagree with me, but I don't like Iron Man matches overall in most cases. I'm not a big fan of them either, really and truly. Because a- it's a lot to ask of performers to to put on a match for that, knowing they have to go at least that distance. Well, I mean, 30-minute Iron, Iron Man match is, is nothing major, in my opinion. If you're going to do an Iron Man match, you need to do a, an hour. You need to go 60 minutes. And because that's the only, to my knowledge and true wrestling traditionalist, that's an Iron Man match. That's taking it back to the old days of Ric Flair and Harley Race and guys that would go in there and do 60 minute time limit draws. Yeah. And so uh, to consider a 30 minute match an Iron Man match, that's not an Iron Man match. That's just an extended main event. It's just who can get the most falls in 30 minutes. Yeah. It's an extended main event. That's all it is. So, yeah. Do you think this will headline the pay per view again? Or? I do. I think it'll. I they will let these two headline in every kind of gimmick match <laughs> until WrestleMania. Until WrestleMania, and then they will be part of one of the one half. What what to call it? One half of the main event of WrestleMania will be a women's match. They're they're stuck together. That's why back to what I was saying. This Emelina gimmick. I hope it works because. For the love of God, dude, Raw needs some women wrestlers. Yeah, I, I think I'm ready to move on from this feud. Yeah. Like, it's been fine, but I've yeah. just seen it so yeah. many times. Like, honestly. Other you- than other, because all you have is Nia Jax, Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, and now Emelina. And that's your Raw women's wrestlers. Alicia Fox. Oh, you do have Alicia Fox. Uh, sorry. 
Yeah. But, I mean, that's a small that's a small roster, and you can only do so much with six women. And basically, this feud has been going on since WrestleMania. So we are yeah. already nearly a year. Oh, we're going into almost three years. Really, truly, if you want to go all, yeah. if yeah, if you want to go all the way back into NXT, it's like the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn wrestled again on Monday. Yeah, two fights. This is now two matches after the. This is the the war to settle the score or yeah. whatever at Battleground. All right. No, they've had two more singles matches on yeah. Raw. So I mean, it's and which is great. I love the fact that. You now are taking it back to where a rivalry will last longer than just a storyline. Yeah. Now everything is turning into Sting Flair, where it's right. Or years. You, or you got or you've got you know Sean Brett, where it's not a you know it's not just a storyline up till this till this pay per view. Right. You have a you have legitimate where they're attached at the hip throughout most of their career. I think that's fair to have feuds, but I don't want. I don't need matches every single week no. or every single pay per view. Like, just in the back of of your mind, know that this guy is feuding with this guy, right? And leave it at that. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna have problems with this group of people over here, but at the end of the day, when I'm done with them, I'm still gonna come back and mess you up too. You know, because I've still got a beef with you. Yeah, which was weird when Seth Rollins teamed up with Roman Reigns the last few months. Like, right. No, that's that yeah. shouldn't be happening. Right. So he straightened out his storyline on Monday. So now we have Triple H and Seth Rollins down the line. What's he the, finally figured out that Triple H screwed him over? It took yeah. him several months right. to figure out what happened. We'll see. And now it's going to be now he's got to get the title so we can have a a title match at WrestleMania. Triple H versus Seth Rollins. I still think the belt should be on the uh, Kevin Owens Chris Jericho match. I see. I I agree. I like that. I like that. They're doing well with giving hints of, of the turn of the Oh, break, every week, yeah. But they're not giving it. So I, I like the way that's playing out. I really, that's... When it finally does happen, it'll be well worth it. Exactly. Yeah, it will. The What's your thoughts? This was one of the last things I want to talk about before we got into election 2016. What's your thoughts on the storyline with, uh, with Enzo and... Lana and Rusev. Well, and Big Cass getting thrown in there somewhere. Well, Big Cass has to fight Rusev because it's not going to be Enzo fighting Rusev ultimately. So but it's going to be Big Cass coming to save the day, or is it a? It's weird how they're pa- they're painting Rusev as the bad guy. He's portrayed as the bad guy, even though Enzo's the one trying to steal his wife. Right. So really, Enzo's the heel. Right. Well, and we've seen. I like this. This rivalry on the aspect of we've seen we've seen stuff we haven't seen in a while like you know the taboo of him walking in the hallway naked and then or then like going to the hotel room stuff you don't ever you haven't seen that stuff since the attitude era so you're hinting at that taboo that taboo borderline of pg and pg-13 which is which is entertaining i love the gimmick i love the or the storyline anyway i think it's a good use of lana because yeah she doesn't wrestle so, and outside of doing her, you know, talk-ups for Rusev, what can you use? Exploit her sexuality or whatever, how yeah. good she looks, and then use her in a storyline like that. Yeah. You know, not in a demeaning way, but in a, where Enzo's the fool. So, I like the use of her, and I like the storyline, but I think the, the role of heel and face is really backwards. 
for yeah. some reason. Like I'm rooting for Rusev. <laughs> he's, yeah. Well, just like well, he was quit with Roman. Messing, Re- quit messing with my wife. Well, yeah. just like with Roman Reigns, he's gonna end up being a babyface after all this because the crowd realizes it. And I, like I said, I've liked Rusev's work the the last few months. Like the same. It was the same thing when he was going into his rivalry with uh, Roman Reigns over the U.S. title. Roman Reigns came out and insulted the Rusev family pictures, you know? And, you know, Rusev's just defending the honor of his family. Rusev is the good guy. So maybe that's the point of all this is to turn Rusev because it's working for me. Because I'm just like, man, I hope this guy, you know, gives Enzo and Cass a comeuppance. You know, they're trying to take this married man. They just got married. They're trying to take this man's wife. It's terrible. But I, I do think it'll be big Cass in the match. It will not be... Mr. Enzo, sorry. I would, you'll never see it, but I would love to see like Big Cass and Enzo in a mixed tag with Rusev and Lana. And then every time Lana gets tagged in, Enzo has to get in, but he's like, no, I'm not going to fight her. I'm not going to. So he goes and tag, and she gets like, she gets a quick roll up on him or something. You know what? I think that's the direction that they're going to go in. You know, he doesn't ever touch her, but he's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And he goes to tag Big Cass, and she gets a quick schoolboy roll up one two three or something like that that would be i think that would be a great gimmick i'm not sure it's going to be a mixed tag but i can see enzo costing big cast the match because of something ringside with lana where right or maybe rusev or maybe it costs rusev the match but yeah i think i think you're right though they're going to be the secondary players in the match and right something they do is going to cost one of them the first match i think this is a i think this is going to take us past this is going to take us to royal rumble right yeah so i think, I think there's going to be at least two matches here so yeah. we'll see i think it will too and last but certainly not least i hate to say i told you so but i told you so linda mcmahon has joined president-elect Donald Trump's cabinet at the White House. Well, they're they're good friends. Yeah, no, she's uh she's going to run small businesses for yeah, him. Yeah, she's the small business administration's leader now, or yeah. will be. The WWE has not been a small business for a very long time, but <laughs> if you go back to the '80s, though. When Hulkamania grew, I mean, they were mainly a regional territory for a long time. Till, yeah, till 90 or 91, really and truly. So you can say, oh, well, she's a billionaire or whatever, but she did, it did start from, you know, grassroots or whatever, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, it started with them living in, this is not exaggeration, them living in a double wide trailer, Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Linda McMahon. Breaking their backs, making WWF at the time, now WWE, up to what it is today. So if anybody knows what it's like to have to build a business from the ground up, it's the McMahons. Yeah, so I think this is a good role for her. I I agree. But other than that, yeah, when you give someone millions of dollars in campaign contributions or when you donate to the Trump Foundation, you're going to get rewarded. That's just the way I was just excited to finally see a McMahon in the White House. Yes. I have been been joking with you about it for years, so that Vince should run for president. But. Well, for all the money Vince sank in her Senate campaigns, at least he got the payoff. He got Linda to Washington. So yeah, now that's true. He, he finally got it. And this know? opens the door for afterwards for her to, to have a political career. Right, that's that's true. And this is a very good place to start yeah. as far as if you want to expand upon your political career. So there you go. President, WWE Hall of Famer, rewarding... 
his appointee to the Hall of Fame, basically, mm-hmm. uh, Linda McMahon. So, yeah, we mentioned President-elect Trump. Well, there was also another man back in, well, President Trump, President-elect Trump, originally did run for president in the 2000 campaign. You know who else could have been in that campaign, Patrick, who we were led to believe would be joining the campaign trail? Well, you know something, brother. That's right. Hollywood Hulk Hogan had gone on to The Tonight Show and told the world he was going to run for president. And he did this on Nitro as well, because I remember being very confused at this announcement because they had a giant American flag and it was a big... Red, white, and blue balloons falling from the sky. Yeah. And, well... The reason it was so odd is because he announced that in 1998. There's not a presidential election until the year 2000. Yeah. So I thought, he's kind of getting himself ahead of the game here. But I'm sure this was this was to piggyback off of Jesse Ventura winning the governorship yeah. in Minnesota. And of course, those two, long-standing feuds. So I guess Hogan said, you know, you know something, brother. I'm not going to let this brother stand me up. So he decided to make a big publicity stunt out of this and announce his intention to run for president, which, judging by what happened in this election, he could have won. I I would love to have seen Hogan run for president, believe it or not. Hopefully he didn't have any sort of sex tapes that could come out yeah. to light or... Yeah, or say any racial things. Yeah, saying gonna... the N-word, that might have doomed yeah. his campaign. But as I said, in this past election, you can say stuff on videotapes from years ago. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. People don't care about that stuff. So Hulk Hogan... Just walk right up. Never mind. Go on. Yeah, so <laughs> so Hogan, even though we can sit here today and laugh it off, he might have had a shot at this thing. Yeah, that's, we laugh, but that is so true. He really could have actually won this thing. So that was a, a big topic on this week's review, my pick, the January 4th, 1999 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. We head back to the Georgia Dome. In Atlanta, Georgia, which next year, Patrick, will be a pile of rubble, just like WCW. Sadly, the Georgia Dome going away. There's a, as well, there's a protest right now to keep it strictly for um, historical value in Atlanta. People are, so I, you'll have to keep up with that. I'm one of the ones, me and you talked about it, I hate to see it go. Well, I just think when they announced they were replacing the Georgia Dome, it was only 20 years old. Yeah. You got to get more than 20 years out of these stadiums. Yeah. January 4th, a very historical date in wrestling, and we'll mention one reason why, but I also wanted to mention that in 2010, this was the start of Monday Night Wars Part 2 in 2010. This was when Bret Hart appeared on Nitro. Yes. And TNA decided to put impact on Monday nights. So January 4th. It's a, a big di- date in pro wrestling. It is. It this was it was the start of one war and basically the end of another. As we go to the Georgia Dome, off we go. The Nitro Girls are in the ring and Tony's on the mic. He welcomes us into the show. He's joined by Larry Zabisco and Mike Tanay for hour one of this three-hour show. A three-hour Nitro. Wow. If you thought three hours was tough in 1999, well, in 2016, let me tell you, getting through three hours of Raw can be torture. <laughs> it, it can be some some shows. Especially when it sometimes it runs over by 20 minutes after the three hours. You've already given them the three hours, and then they want more. Mm-hmm. That wasn't enough. So the three well, Nitro hour- was, was all about running over 20 and 30 Oh, yes. Minutes. Yes, that was... Sometimes, Patrick, they would run over and still not be done with whatever they were showing. Yeah. Make you watch into the next show. program, and then come into commercial breaks and show you what happened. Yeah. 
That's ridiculous. Yeah. Also, yeah, the fact that they WCW was owned by the network they were on. So why couldn't they just cut into the show? Yeah. You know, it's just bullshit. Well, I loved, uh, I found the DVD of uh, a lot of these old um, Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper, these old crappy movies that they used to do after Nitros. Found a DVD of them, nine of them at, at a specific convenience store. And got it yesterday and started looking and sure enough that's exactly what it is it's all these so and they used to do that a lot stay tuned to watch hulk hogan in yeah thunder and paradises something and tune in during the commercial breaks to three ninjas coming up next three yeah three so, three ninjas are yeah santa's with santa with muscles premieres yeah. next right here on monday nitro Tony and the crew talk about Ric Flair is now the new... A lot of talk about presidents. Ric Flair is the new WCW president after what happened on last week's Nitro, which they review in just a a few minutes. They mention that Hulk Hogan is going to be here tonight. He's retired now, and he's going to run for president of the United States. So it's nice of him to show up for work even though he's retired. Yeah. That's a real Hulk Hogan kind of move, like when you've already retired and you still show up for work. I get, well, he's maybe he's starting his campaign. Yeah. What better place to start than Atlanta, Georgia? For some reason, red balloons fall from the ceiling of the Georgia Dome for no apparent <laughs> no reason. reason. WCW, spending money left and right and dumping balloons for no no reason whatsoever. I think the timing was off. I think that might have been for Hogan when he came to the ring. Well, you know what's funny is, spoiler alert, they go to the Georgia Dome later that year, and they drop the balloons at the wrong time then, too. So this was a, a, a tradition of WCW dropping the balloons at the wrong time. Oh, Patrick, it's the grand finale of the Nitro Parties. This is the Nitro Party to end all Nitro Parties. They've got their own suite at the Georgia Dome, and Howard Kaniski is the grand prize winner, and he is with someone I've never seen again or before on WCW programming, Jimmy Barrett. Yeah, I don't know who this is. Jimmy Barrett is there to interview the grand prize winner, Howard Kaniski, and I say this whole thing is a mess, and I will include the whole clip of it because <laughs> he he has his friend introduce himself, and his friend gets in the mic and just repeats his name, and then he says, introduce us. Oh, no, he says, introduce us to some of your friends and some of the ladies. There are very few ladies, if There any. was no ladies up there. If there was, they were, yeah, they and then, were in the wrong place. And then he asks, who do you think is going to win the match tonight, the advertised title match? Goldberg. Right. Getting his chance at a rematch for the world heavyweight title against Kevin Nash. Yes, and the Nitro Party people, they all go, Goldberg! There's a Nitro Party going on up in one of the luxury suites here. It's our final grand prize Nitro Party winner. As a matter of fact, we're going to take you straight to the party. Right now, Howard Kanitsky, the grand prize winner, his very own party suite, and our own Jimmy Barron standing by as the Nitro Party is going on at the top of the program. Jimmy? Thank you very much, Tony. Things are off the hook here in the Nitro Party suite. Hi, it's up the Georgia Dome. It's a bird's eye view with Howard Krinsky from Atlanta, Georgia. Howard, a grand prize winner, the Nitro Party suite. Howard, did you ever think you would end up here with your very own Nitro Party in the Dome? No, I didn't, but I'm here, and that's all that counts. I want to say hello to my nephew in Chicago. Jordan, we love you, baby. You want to introduce us to some of the guys here and some of the ladies. Let's meet some people. Steve, Steve, Steve. 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 This is Marty. Hey, it's Marty Simon. Marty. Marty. 
they were drunk by this point in time. They were extremely excited for people. There's no action in the ring. There's no. nothing going on, no. and they are very, very excited. They want Goldberg to win the match tonight. The advertised match, oh, by the way, the Nitro starts off with a review of the Starcade 98 loss. The It's black and white. It has piano music. Devastating. Goldberg's first loss to Kevin Nash at the hands of a cattle prod and interference by Bam Bam Bigelow, Disco Inferno, and, and Scott, Scott Hall. Hall. Scott Hall with that damn cattle prod. Yes. You know that thing hurt like hell. If it was real, but it's not real. You always, We always have the same debate over the cattle prod to this day. It never ends. It how, do you put a, a, how do you put a cap on a cattle prod and it still light up electric, uh, electric current like that? It was down in the middle of the thing. Down in the middle of the stick. I don't know. You know what? We're going to ask Scott next time we see him. Yeah, we're going to... We're going to ask I'm, him I'm to give a shout out to my boy I, Scott Hall. I'm not going to have him show us his cattle prod. I don't want to see that. You know you do. Don't lie. Our very first match, it's your boy, Glacier. He's out first, and he's going to take on Hugh Morris, who is with Jimmy Hart. It's our opening bout here on Nitro. I don't have many notes for it because... This was a quick match. Yes. They, they mentioned how Hugh Morris has some new, a new look. And maybe that he looks better than ever. All he did was shave his head. That's all he did. He looked exactly the same as he's always looked. Bill DeMott, Hugh Morris. Hugh Morris hits a power slam on Glacier, who, by the way, Glacier wearing his uh, neon blue singlet here. I actually yeah. like this Glacier outfit. Really? Do you? Yeah, instead I like this the, better than the white. And instead the, of the white and the... The okay. light blue, yeah. Finish to the match, Jimmy Hart distracts Glacier. Hugh Morris tries to break it up and accidentally hits Jimmy. And knocks Jimmy off the ring apron to the floor. But Glacier, he cannot capitalize on this common heel mistake. He gets clotheslined and then receives the no laughing matter. A moonsault from Hugh Morris. And Hugh Morris gets the big win very quickly. You know, there are a few, few really agile big men in wrestling. Hugh Morris actually fits into that criteria of a big guy. Oh, yes. And, and for him to pull that off, the no laughing matter... Moonsault is is very and it looked great. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. The way the announcers, when they were paying attention to the match, which was very little, because yeah. they were too busy talking about Nash and Hogan and what's and Ric Flair. Yeah, and they did this all night. They were not paying attention yeah. to anything in the ring. You'll get better commentary from tonight's show from us than you will from them. But Hugh Morris, they were really trying to sell him basically as the next big monster. You know, trying to rebuild him. But I thought to myself, watching this match, these are two guys that you fed to Goldberg. Yeah. So you, well, Hugh I mean, Morris was the first one. Hugh Morris kicked it off. Oh yes, yes, he was victim number one. He was number one. On that's the, what he's mainly known for in his career, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, because Bill Demont's an unbelievably talented wrestler. Glacier, on the other hand, I mean, they had he had long fizzled out, but just the fact that here they're trying to make a new monster, and they tried to make a new monster with someone else in the show, but. They never followed through with this. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a fleeting thought. Like, Hugh Morris got a haircut. Okay, let's push him, you know. But that's only pushing for one night. Forget about it the next yeah. day. We get a long recap. I do remember watching this episode of Nitro as a kid. But I would have been pissed because they basically recap a huge chunk of what happened last week on Nitro. Oh, so yeah. much so that they, they like, squeeze the screen down. To, with the, the Nitro flames around it to show you that this all happened last week. But it's like a 20-minute long... Yeah. Just the video. No, not Tony talking over some clips. No, this is... They show you basically 30 minutes of Nitro last week. 
for hour number one here. Now, this is the unopposed hour with Raw. For segment number one, really and truly, as yeah, well. Yeah, because I mean, this, this lasted ten times longer than the match. Yeah. Than the Hugh Morris match. So, last week, of course, Flair, he put his entire life on the line, Patrick. Not just his career. To get another shot at Bischoff, who he lost to at Starcade. He won- legendary, legendary segment, legendary interview to, to throw that... Throw that out there. Yes, Mean Gene is in the ring with Flair. Flair gets fired up. He rips up $100 bills, which is... He could go to jail for that. Insanely rips them up, takes out three grand and just throws it into the crowd and out in the air. He gets naked, basically. And strips down to his boxers and socks and starts dropping an elbow on his clothes. Oh, that's a... They cut the elbow drop. They cut the elbow, but he is dropping an elbow on his clothes. I forgot. That's actually one of my favorite memories of Rick Flair. Yeah, that's that's one of the legendary Nitro... Yeah, dropping the elbows on Oh, was this the heart attack night? Was that what the the doctor was talking about in this thing? So Ric Flair gets so worked up. He wants to be WCW president so bad, Pat. That he tells Eric Bischoff he can have everything. His cars, his clothes, his jewelry, his $3,000. He said, what money I have left. Yeah. Which Ric Flair has lost a lot of money in his life, so he probably didn't know how much money he had left. But he would give it all. Give it all away. Just to have one shot at Eric Bischoff. And I guess it was supposed to happen last week on... Oh, no, it did happen last week on... It happened later on that night. Yeah. Yeah, so Bischoff comes out, accepts the challenge... And then later on that night, Easy E taps out to the figure, figure four. After interference from everybody, the NWO was out there. Everybody, D- DDP like, was out yeah. there. Macho Man ends up being the one that saves this, even though he was Mister NWO up until he was coming back after a broken leg. Yes, so Macho so, Man, a long-standing Ric Flair enemy, yeah, saves the company for Ric Flair. And protects him, and Ric Flair... Saves his career, too. Yeah, saves his career. Little little Ashley Flair can rest easy because she has a bed to sleep in, thanks to Randy Savage saving the Flair's household. Because I guess Bischoff would have moved in or sold the house. So yeah. Kids would have been homeless. Burn it down. So then we see the president, the new president, which they refer to as Richard Flair. Now he's he's a professional now. He doesn't want to be known as Rick no, anymore. he's, he's Richard. Richard Flair arrives in a limo. He, even though he's the president of WCW, he arrives late to the show. That seems kind of irresponsible. Well, he has to have that presidential entrance, you know. Yes. Watching him from getting out of the, the limo all the way as he walks into the Georgia Dome. Out of the limo comes David Flair, Ashley Flair, a young Charlotte Flair. Wow. Very young. She looks like she's, I don't know, maybe 13 here. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. And a very young, sadly, Reed Flair is also with them. He's accompanied by the four horsemen, and Malenko is on crutches, and Tanae explains that he sprained his ankle at a house show over the weekend. And that's a bummer. Uh, yeah. While we're on the topic, few fans got the privilege of actually seeing Reed wrestle. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Reed would have been the, the next big thing to coin the phrase, because Reed Flair was that good. And uh, unfortunately, that's a timely timely loss to pro wrestling and uh and our heartfelt condolences still even though it's a couple years late go out to the uh the flair family so they go out to the ring rick flair brings out bischoff and he says you know he's not he he could fire eric bischoff which he should have probably done i would have wcw actually fired him a few months later so 
But Ric Flair says, you know, the easy thing would be to just fire you. But instead, I'm going to make you go back to your roots. You are going back to the announce desk. Tony Schiavone is now Eric Bischoff's boss. Whew, that's that's scary right there. <laughs> Which, when this executive VP position came open, Tony Schiavone originally applied for it with Eric Bischoff. So now, okay. on television, he gets to be Eric's boss. So I bet Tony actually really liked this idea. <laughs> and also, so Eric Bischoff fired Pee Wee Anderson in 1998 on screen, despite Randy Anderson telling him he has cancer. So Eric Bischoff on television fired a man. Well, and this was in in realist, really, truly God's truth. Uh, this was a way of writing. Yeah, so he Pee Wee Anderson have off treatment to get treatment for cancer. Um, Pee Wee did a, you know, yeah, not even unfortunately, maybe die, a year later, or die so. from cancer. But uh, it was glad to see him have this little moment here. In the yeah, it gets with, to be uh, the spotlight. Yeah. And then, oddly, now, let's get into the mind of a match booker, Patrick. Now, now you get to book yourself into a match, the pay-per-view. Now, you're the president. You can book yourself into what? You, he could book himself into the title match if you wanted to. Out of all the matches you decided to book yourself into... I would not pick a handicap match. Where you are the one with the disadvantage. Exactly. So I'm going to be taking on two people at one time. Yes, Flair says he wants... Well, he didn't know the name of a handicap match. He said... It's a gimmick match, yeah. which, which I love because that is that is so locker room talk. Well, yeah, he has to ask Arn Anderson what it's called. He says, "What what's the name of that gimmick thing?" Arn, what do they call those? We used to call them gimmick matches. Handicap match. I'm, I'm booking myself in a handicap match with Kurt Henning and Barry Windham, two against one. Wow. That means I kill one of you, or you kill me. And that's the way it's going to be. So now it's going to be a huge event. We want the world to know the World Championship Wrestling, not the NWO, is putting it on. That's a pretty big uh, fight to, to take out there. Yes. Uh, David, David Flair. Yeah, you know, Dad, I've been watching you, you know, you and the Four Horsemen for, since I've been real young. And I want to be your partner at Sold Out. Wow. <laughs> oh, wait. oh, man. Whoa. Whoa, hey. What about it, Dad? What about it, President? I love him. He's my son. He's not ready for this. I'll know when the time is right. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> you hear that from the enforcer? Huh? You and me? Henning? I'm ready. All right, man. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Everybody. And Arn's like, Oh, it's a handicap match, Rick. Yeah. And I guess he could just read Rick's mind. It's crazy. He knew exactly what he was talking about. Rick wants to take on Barry Windham and Kurt Henning all by himself. Even though he's got the you know the four horsemen are standing around him. I know Malenko's hurt, but he could. Hell, I'd take I'd stay I'd take Mongo McMichael in there. <laughs> I would take any. I would get Arn, even though Arn wasn't a full time wrestler, you know yeah. anymore. He's retired. I'd say Arn. I can't, you know, everyone else is hurt. Uh, you want to be in my corner? Yeah. No, Flair's like, oh, I'll just take a handicap match. Why would you do that, Patrick? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but lucky for Rick, his son David. David steps up. The the birth of a legend in the business. David Flair says, hey, Dad, I'll be your partner. To which Rick Flair laughs off and says, ah, oh, you're not ready. But thanks, anyway. And then Arn. But wait, wait. Arn goes, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I have lots of questions about this, but... 
I will answer every one of them. How does R know that David knows what he's doing? It's 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 a godfather speaking up, saying, you know what? Just because he's your son doesn't mean he can't be a man. You need to step back. Intuition. Intuition-wise, he knows what he's doing. Let him take his lumps like a, like an adult. Let him let him learn the hard way. Oh boy. I, yeah. Like I said, I would have asked Arn. I would have asked Glacier. I would have asked Hugh Morris. I would have asked Jimmy Hart. The list of people I would rather have as my tag partner. This was a. This was is a, infinite. This was young David too. This was a. What would you say 17, 18 year old David Flair? Oh, he's yeah, he's very young, and he's this very. Is, I mean, this is really getting start to his career right now. I mean, he's, oh yeah, he this, starts out on top basically. He this starts, whole president angle. Is basically to get for his, his benefit. Yeah, to kickstart his career. Yeah, because even though Rick is the face president tonight, by the time they come back to the Georgia Dome, Rick is the heel president. Yeah, and his only his only wish to be president, it turned out, was to basically push David. Yeah, as a star. Spoiler alert. Hopefully, we'll do those shows one day. One day when we're really desperate, because ninety. Later this year, ninety nine and two thousand WCW has to be some of the most confusing. Crazy! Uh, oh, it's it's bad. It's Cra- bad. Crash TV at its finest. It is. It is really bad. I know. At this point, we've been in Nitro for thirty minutes, and we've seen one match. <laughs> one match. Hugh Morris and Glacier, which like, literally lasted four four minutes. Probably. Yeah, not tops. even that. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's so WCW to waste Jimmy Hart with Hugh Morris here. He could yeah, be managing anybody. I agree. And he brought. Not that Hugh Morris is a bad, but just in the context. Jimmy Hart is, is, if there's a Mount Rushmore of managers, managers, Jimmy Hart's up there. And not just managers, but Wrestling Minds, all the great theme songs he came up with. I mean, lots and lots of great contributions uh, to the industry. Then we get the Nitro Open. They finally roll the Open, and they've redone the Open and put like clips of Goldberg and Bret Hart on the buildings. But this Open... It wouldn't last very long. I, we're opening the show 30 minutes into the show, but also, this open wouldn't even last that long because later in the year was that terrible set redesign and that terrible new yeah. theme song that's just noise and the Nitro Girls dancing. Yeah. The star logo. Yeah. So this is this is the end. This is almost the end of this classic Nitro set and music and everything. This is... This is They're starting to tweak with the formula. Yeah. This is building... Right into when they're getting ready to film Ready to Rumble. Right, yes. So, which, greatest wrestling movie of all time. Well, there's not many to choose from about pro wrestling. Well, the movie The Wrestler is probably the greatest pro... Beyond the mat. Ready to Rumble is the greatest wrestling movie. (laughs) Okay, so Booker T's up next. And I had the wrestler he was facing as Henry Hale, but... I I did not know who this guy was. They didn't even... I mean, they, they, they did mention his name in passing, but he didn't even get a little lower third with his name on it. Yeah, no. He was already in the ring. And he got beat before... They even could say anything. His name is Emery Hale. Emery Hale. And Emery Hale sadly passed away in 2006, but I thought just by looking at this guy, he had some potential here just from his look. He did. He was towering over Booker T. Giant. A giant jobber. Big guy. Yeah. And Booker T, well, I don't think Mr. Emery Hale had a single bit of offense against Booker T. No. This was this was another squash match. Oh, yeah. Booker T hits a spine buster, a spin rooney a Harlem sidekick, and then a missile drop kick, and Emery Hale is dispatched. Oh, well, at least Booker T got to go home early that night. Yeah. More Nitro Girls. Eric is now with Tony at the broadcast. By the way, the one negative part about when Flair sent Bischoff to the announce desk, 
Of the three announcers, we lost Mike Tanay. So any chance of the moves getting called in matches, <laughs> any of the storylines, <laughs> that's ended right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. So now Bischoff is at the announce table, and Bischoff, though, plays this role perfectly. Oh, he doesn't say shit. Yeah, he is not going to do anything, so he just throws his feet up on the desk, tilts his chair back, tilts his mic back, and he's not going to say anything. For the rest of the night. Granted, till about later, but well, he would sit. He would chime in a little bit with like one word here and there until until the main event. He played it great. Tony, on the other hand, would annoy the shit out of me the rest of the night because every match, every single. You don't could, you want to say something, Eric? Why you, don't you want to talk, Eric? Eric, <laughs> chime in, and then Larry's over there. Hey, Eric, why don't you say something? And then you you went on to have Hanan doing the same thing throughout the night, all fucking night. <laughs> we know he's not gonna. Talk. Just let it be. Let it be. Go on. Like yeah, when they're we're I on. Agree. I don't mind when they're on camera if yeah. they they make fun of like if they poke at him or whatever. Maybe once during a match. Yeah. Every other match, do like once. Like, hey, you gonna help call this? Not every. They did it four and five times throughout one match. Every match. Yes. So it was getting old. Yeah, I agree. Norman Smiley. Oh, man. I love Mason Norman Smiley. I knew this match is your match of the night. The big wiggle. As soon as Norman Smiley came out, I was like, oh, who's he facing? Chavo Guerrero Jr., but he's with Pepe. Pepe. The horse on a stick. So two of your favorite wrestlers here, Pepe and Norman Smiley. Yes. Are going to be in this match. Norman Smiley, he doesn't really want to wrestle. All he wants to do is the big wiggle, which was over. The crowd the, did enjoy people the People love w- the big wiggle. He didn't really want to fight Chavo. The announcers don't spend a second calling this match because, yes, they are obsessed <laughs> with getting Eric Bischoff to say anything. Chavo hits a missile drop kick. Norman Smiley flatbacks himself off a big wiggle. What happened here towards the end of the match? He went to go for it, and Chavo countered it, basically. He fell from nothing. Norman Smiley was started to do the big wiggle, and then I guess thought he was supposed to get hit, and then just fell on his back. He knocked himself out doing the big wiggle. Pretty much. But, you know, that's how awesome the big wiggle is. Chavo, after Norman destroys himself with a big wiggle, he just rolls up Mr. Smiley and gets the big win. But then, then as soon as the match is over, Norman hits a vertical suplex to Chavo, so he gets all his heat back, so the loss didn't matter. The match didn't matter. That's, that's, that happens. But you love Norman Smiley. I do love Norman So that, that's important that we... Norman Smiley... We got to hear your and, love. And really and truly, Norman Smiley is a brilliant wrestling mind. And one of the head trainers of, of down in Orlando for for WWE's training center. But, uh, but yeah, man, I we, loved Norman Smiley as a kid, too. We had a tragedy in the ring, though, because after a body slam from Norman Smiley to Chavo, he gets Pepe. Yeah. And then he hits Pepe. No, he hits Chavo with Pepe. So hard that Pepe's head pops off. He decapitated Pepe. There was a horse decapitated in the ring tonight. They had to immediately change the camera angle. Had to cut away from the brutality. It was it was so brutal. Um, and the announcers didn't mention it at all. No, no, That's not PG. Just like Chris Benoit, oh. he's going to take on Horace Hogan. Benoit's already in the ring, so he's got the jobber entrance. He did. He didn't even get a name plate underneath him, did he? No. Yeah, he's. Horace gets the double German suplex before fighting out of the third from Benoit. Benoit hangs him over the ring ropes, but Horace suplexes Benoit out of the ring. We get a suicide dive and knocks Benoit into the guardrail. Then Horace gets Benoit back into the ring and hits a backbreaker. Pee Wee Anderson, glad he showed up and brought his ref gear tonight. Yeah. 
I'm glad he was there to get rehired, number one. And then he had his ref gear with him, so he's refing this match. Benoit superplexes Horace, and Benoit delivers a nasty diving headbutt off the top rope, which only gets a two count. Horace then hits a shoulder breaker for two. We get a crossface submission, and Horace taps out in the center of the ring. What'd you think of this match? Good match. I thought Horace actually looked okay in yeah, this match. It was a good match. It was the best I've ever seen Horace Hogan. I don't know what that really says about anything. That doesn't but. say much, but yes. Out in the World Congress Center, which is connected to the Georgia Dome. Which, yes. Goldberg is confronted by a bunch of police officers. Yes. And they need to detain Goldberg. He is being arrested. <laughs> yeah, Goldberg, you know that. For aggravated stalking. They don't really tell Goldberg that much, other than Goldberg says... Yeah, they don't tell him until they get into the CNN Center what it's for. Goldberg initially... Yeah. He was about ready to run through those guys. He refuses to go with them and explains, I do stuff for charities around here. You guys yeah. know me. He was calling the cops by their first names. Yeah. And they're like, we don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> they're just... Like, listen, just shut up. It's not happening. And this starts the bait and switch. The biggest bait and switch in the history. Of WCW. <laughs> of pro wrestling, I would say. Yeah. So Goldberg is detained. He is taken away. Yes, aggravated stalking. We will follow up with him in just a little while. Hopefully he can make it back for the main event. Hope so. I mean... I doubt it, but I hope so. Now, as they're taking him away, Kevin Nash just happens to be in the area and goes outside. Who's, and who's pissed because he wanted to prove that he could beat Goldberg without the cattle prod. Yeah, he seems... Uh, so he run, He storms the police the police car. As it drives away. As it drives away, police have to, have to hold him back. And then you have future president-elect Hulk, Hulk Hogan... Hogan. Standing. Just happens to be in the he's same He's showing end. up at the exact same time that Goldberg's being arrested, and he's standing there laughing, saying he's glad to see that some smut peddler <laughs> is now getting arrested. Yeah. Now, I don't understand how a smut peddler is Goldberg, but that's another story. Or how Hogan can tell that he's guilty just by... By oh, looking I, at him. Yeah, because yeah. he's a president. Doesn't even know what... Yeah. Then, as we leave this segment, you see a camera showing Miss Elizabeth talking with a couple people. I wonder if she's involved in any of this. I don't know. Maybe. Up next, our next bout is Saturn. He looks ridiculous in his bright red tights and his chain vest and his Tupac bandana. Yes. Very mixed messages here. And then, oh. The greatest, the greatest security guard of all time. We are just in the greatest hits of all Patrick's favorite ring. right down. My personal security guard, Ralphus. Is bringing down to the ring. Drink it in, man. The one and only Chris Jericho. Drink it in, man. It's the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. I really hate. I wish he would quit doing that. And his dubbed over WWE theme on the network version. Yeah. Oh, although so ridiculous. When Hogan comes out, they still try to dub over with nitro music and you still hear voodoo child yeah sometimes when they have the uh the mics up you can kind of pick it up in the background but it's it, so it was still kind of i was like oh voodoo child for hogan that's pretty cool but yeah proceed yes ralphus and jericho are out greatest greatest security guard of all time the match starts out with saturn slapping chris jericho and he follows that with a clothesline jericho hits a shoulder block and gets belly to bellied by saturn jericho drop kicks saturn off of the ring apron to the mats below and then drops the knee to the back of his head off the apron then we go to a commercial break it's very unusual during this time period that they would take commercial breaks in the middle of matches but they did so here tonight shivani is trying to get information about goldberg's arrest who would he be able to talk to out 
in the middle of the arena about this. I don't know. Jericho posts Saturn up for a long delayed vertical suplex, but only gets a two count. Saturn hits another belly-to-belly on Jericho. Then tries the Death Valley Driver. Can't get it. Jericho gets out. But then he hits an Exploder Suplex, which only nets a two count. We get an inverted atomic drop. Jericho pulls Scott Dickinson in front of Saturn, and Saturn just kind of bumps into the ref. Yes. Then Jericho hits a Lion Salt, sets up for the Lion Tamer, but Scott Dickinson, referee Scott Dickinson, rings the bell. And I thought, okay, well, Jericho just got DQ'd. No, Saturn just got DQ'd. For hitting the referee. Because he bumped into the ref. Yes. This ref was not referee Patrick Young. I mean, how many bumps do you take before you ring the bell? Me, particularly? Yeah. I mean, in oh, your I own... took a lot before I ring the bell. Oh, I so let you, it go. You let it go. I let it go. He wasn't having it. He wasn't. And you know what? I stand behind the referee. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter what, referee's decision is final. Well, I just said, what a waste, because... I thought these guys were having a pretty good they match until awesome it got match. cut off. This this was a good showcase of what Perry Saturn could actually really physically do in the ring. You didn't see this side of Perry Saturn much outside of ECW. So. And this is Jericho phoning it in because he's about to be gone. Yeah. This oh. is this is after him pitching a fit about Oh, this was after the on screen the conspiracy or whatever or whatever. Where he takes the, the chair and Beats up the ring post with it and all that. Yeah, yeah but I think he'd already... Yeah, he would debut in August in the WWF. His final match was at a house show July 21st in WCW. So by July, he was gone. His final... His, this is his final feud is with Perry Saturn. So this is the start oh, okay. of his final feud. Uncensored. Saturn defeats Jericho in a dog collar match. So that's how this feud would eventually end. And then Jericho, of course, his great debut in August... With The Rock on Raw is War. I think he made the right choice, Patrick. I would say so. (laughs) He probably doesn't look back. He doesn't regret a thing about uh, making the jump. No. Over at the CNN Center, a handcuffed Goldberg is checked into room number three for what I would consider to be an illegal interrogation. I mean, Goldberg doesn't have a lawyer. No. He hasn't been read his rights. Exactly. And he was told that he wasn't under arrest, so if you're not under arrest, he says, let me go, since I'm not under arrest, and they refuse to do so. Right. So that's that's holding without cause. Right. So, I mean, they, yeah, I would say he's that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. He's got a good case here. Yeah. Goldberg is accused of aggravated stalking. They, they tell Goldberg who it is. And they say it's Elizabeth Lebeski. And Goldberg's like, who is Elizabeth Lebeski? And his friend, who's a police officer, police officer goes, it's Miss Elizabeth. Which makes Goldberg seem like a fool. Yeah, because he's like... He couldn't have... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, he just goes, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Also, yeah, the mark of a guilty man when he's yeah. just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Get your Nitro Girls calendar for nineteen ninety nine, Patrick. It's only $15 plus shipping and handling. It's a 15-month calendar, too. Yeah, so it would still be out of date now, but... I, I tried to call it up. The line was busy, oh. so... We go back to the Nitro party, where these losers are now thumb wrestling. <laughs> There's an entire wrestling show going on, and they are thumb wrestling in the Nitro party suite. They have a paper... ring. A paper WCW Nitro wrestling ring with two thumbs stuck up in it, and they are actually thumb wrestling. These are some drunk people. Great time. Like, if I'm having a party, we're not thumb wrestling. We're not thumb wrestling. 
the yeah, yeah, we're not thumb wrestling. The reporter, he tries to ask him, you know, what they think about this situation with Goldberg. And some of them say, free Goldberg. And then one guy, he's in a Wolfpack shirt. He's like, no, they should keep him in jail. But even as a Wolfpack fan, I'd still want to see the match. I'd still want Goldberg back to the ring. Miss Elizabeth now gives her statements to police. It's the water cooler. Yes. Water she cooler specifies talk. that she turned around at the water cooler, and that's when she saw him. And so she... She sees this Goldberg guy everywhere she goes. The gym. The gym at the Coke machine buying a Pepsi. He was there in his red tights. More and more. So she's yeah. now giving her statement. This one, this statement is, it was at the water cooler. Eddie Guerrero. He's throwing an LWO party, and this was... This was a long freaking promo for the LWO. Yeah, it was just them at a party. Yeah. But this was actually probably taped at least two weeks before because this was when he had a car accident over the New Year's weekend. And so he would be out of action until May of 1999. So this was actually, this is basically the end of the LWO coming up because he's not going to be around to see this thing through. So Right. So they had this one in the can and went ahead and ran it, but didn't tell us at all. Didn't mention, oh, by the way, he was in a near-fatal car accident. Yeah. Instead, they want to update us on, you know, Hulk Hogan and his presidential run. So an odd little footnote, yeah, that we have this long Eddie Guerrero LWO party and then no mention of Eddie Guerrero. What was – how long did the LWO actually run? Not very long. I remember uh, when it started, they wanted to get Rey Mysterio in it, and there, that was the initial feud – was that Ray didn't want to join. Then after that, I think it pretty much fizzled out. And they never fought anybody but amongst themselves. Right. They never took on the NWO. Right. Or they or WCW or whatever. Yeah. It was just like Raven's Flock. It's just a, a group to have a group. Sell a t-shirt. Any kind of NWO t-shirt, you know. Yeah. Send it out. Make some money off of it. Have fun. I think this is match of the night coming up. Kidman and Ray Mysterio are out next. They're taking on LWO members Juventud Guerrera. And psychosis. And even though the announcers mentioned that this is tornado tag rules, they still decide to tag for a little while mm-hmm. before just totally giving up on that. Psychosis slams Kidman and then tags in Hoovy. Kidman eats a couple of drop kicks and an t- atomic drop. Then Ray tags in and hits a head scissors on Hoovy off the top rope. Kidman power bombs Hoovy and Ray covers for two. Ray Hurricanrana's Hoovy over the ropes to the floor below. Then Hoovy hits a springboard drop kick and knocks Ray out of the ring. And then Psychosis hits a leg drop on Ray, who's on the ground, from the ring apron. Psychosis hits an axe handle smash on Ray, then tags in Hoovy. Ray hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker on Hoovy and is drop kicked from behind by Psychosis. Ray is hit with some sort of torture rack backbreaker by Hoovy. That only gets a two count. Then Hoovy tags in Psychosis, who is countered off the top rope. By Ray, who hits him with a drop kick. Kidman gets the hot tag. Hoovy clotheslines Psychosis. So they some miscommunication for the LWO members here. Then Kidman hits a... It looks like a snapmare takeover plus head scissors on both members of the LWO. This uh, double team move. It was very impressive. Ray and Kidman clothesline the two LWO members out of the ring. Then they both climb to the top turnbuckle and hit flying crossbodies to the... LWO members on the ring floor below. Ray tags in. Psychosis is on Kidman's shoulders. Then we get a springboard clothesline on Psychosis, who was sitting on Kidman's shoulders. But Hoovy breaks up the count. Hoovy hits a Hoovy driver on Ray, but Ray kicks out at two. Kidman missile drop kicks both Hoovy and Ray. That allows Psychosis to get the cover and the win. And there you go. The LWO goes over. Kidman and Ray Mysterio in a very exciting cruiserweight tag match. Perfect, I think. 
Yeah, it was a great match. It's a really good match. Something that's missing from Raw, I think. If they could have treat, if they could give the cruiserweights matches like this, where they do a lot of high flying stuff. Yeah, to my knowledge, the cruiserweight division as of right now is just there's nothing special. About needs it. some help. It needs some help. Bad. Cop tells Goldberg that Elizabeth, yeah, sees Goldberg everywhere, including the gym. Goldberg says, "You know why she sees me at the gym? Because I own the gym." <laughs> So that's why she sees me there. And then, then something about the uh, the Marriott, and he goes, "Well, that's where they make us stay. <laughs> yeah. That's where they buy us tickets and rooms for us to put to put us up at is at the Marriott, every <laughs> town." Well, what about the Coke machine? I was getting a Coke. <laughs> this was this was bad. Sure you were, buddy. <laughs> sure you were. Lock him up. Kevin Nash is out next. He's with Mean Gene. He's upset because Goldberg got screwed at Starcade. He's so upset that he went ahead and, you know, graciously accepted the belt when he won it. You know, he didn't question why this guy stumbled into know. his powerbomb. He didn't know. In his defense, what happens in the ring just happens in the ring. But he's trying to make it right. He's trying to give him a rematch here tonight. Doing the best he can. Doing the best he can. But I think if Elizabeth's involved... Hogan's got his finger in it. Yeah, Nash somehow knows that this is a conspiracy by Hulk Hogan, but then goes ahead and rewards Hulk Hogan by giving him a title match tonight, okay? Because he wants to get him in the ring. I was going to say he can book his own title match as they took care of that because Flair came out yes. and awarded him the match with Hogan. Yes. So you Nash also says, though, that if Goldberg comes out there, he can get a title match too. So now... I'm thinking, as a viewer, You're we might even two get, matches. We might get two. Yeah. President Flair comes out and says, "Yeah, Hogan. Yeah, I definitely think he's involved. Yeah, you'll he'll get that match tonight. Sure, whatever." And if and he proceeds to say, if Hogan or if Goldberg can get done within TV airtime, Goldberg will get his title match as well. So we're definitely not getting baited and switched, Patrick. No. Tony reminds us that Goldberg will face Nash if he makes it back. So even the announcers. Remind us, this will happen, one way or another. They reshow the highlights from Starcade again. Then this is where Elizabeth says, yes, she was getting herself a Coke, a Pepsi from the Coke machine, and the guy had red tights. And she and she reminds the cops, hey, she's the victim here. Yeah. Stop asking her so Quit many questions. Quit interrogating her. Mean Gene is in the ring. He calls out Hulk Hogan. Hogan comes out. He says the world revolves around him. He talks about positive and negative momentum. And he calls Goldberg a sexual deviant. Because the original idea for this angle was that Goldberg raped Miss Elizabeth. Really? And that that got shot down. Really? Either by by Goldberg probably and Turner Network standards, but that was going to be... Well, I'm kind of glad that they shot that one down. I guess Hogan didn't read the show sheet, so he still calls Goldberg a sexual deviant, even though he's just accused of stalking. Hogan says, yeah, I'll wrestle tonight. It'll be his last match. So a retirement match. Wow, this Nitro is getting yeah. huge. You get two title matches. One of them's a retirement match. One of them's a retirement match. And if he wins, he's retiring as champion. Wow. That's that's crazy. But wouldn't he have to fight Goldberg, though? See, they never address that. No. And so Hogan mocks the Wolf Pack and says, Tonight when he wins, you can call him the Big Bad Wolf. And then he howls. After tonight, when I beat Kevin Nash, when I retire... With the world heavyweight title, you can just call me Hollywood, the big bad wolf. Boom! Like a wolf. That was bad. He's this so, was, he's this so cool. 
At the end of this Hogan promo, as Hogan's leaving, this is where Shivani fucks over Nitro. <laughs> Bad. This is where they shoot themselves in the foot. Bad. I imagine that since Bischoff is sitting right beside him, he just passes him a note that says, do it, do spoil it. the main event. Do it now. So Shivani now decides to tell us that, you know, Raw's in the can. Don't flip over to them. They suck. They're not live. If you record something, you're stupid. And oh, by the way, they're going to make Mick Foley, who used to wrestle here's Cactus Jack, their champion. Ha! Huh, that'll put a lot of butts in the seats. Good going. Because what was it? Two hundred million homes. No, it was like two hundred thousand. Was it two hundred thousand? It okay. might have been more than that. It was probably like four hundred thousand. Okay. Four hundred thousand people decided to flip the channel at that. Because we moment. would much rather see a guaranteed title. A change. guaranteed title change instead of seeing this bullshit that they were running on Nitro. Not even that. Even. I'm still going to probably come back for the Nitro main event. You know, I'm going to flip well, back. Well, they went 15 minutes over. Yes. I'm going to flip back for the Nitro so main event. So you're still going to get to see Nitro. You get but now, to see the last 15 minutes of Nitro. What you're doing is making me skip the majority of your show now, because I'm curious, how in the hell did this happen? We get a commercial for the WCW MasterCard. You still carry one of these I uh, do. WCW MasterCards. I do. Absolutely. Minds of Sting, so... Yeah. Chris Jericho is in the back now. Oh, this is from earlier tonight. It's taped. Chris Jericho is bribing the referee, basically. Just telling him how to do his job, you know? Telling him, look, you're a referee. You don't have to take crap. And if anyone knocks into you, ring for the bell. Yeah. Which he really didn't bribe him. I mean, he just reminded him of the rules. Yeah. That's fair. Also, the wrestler, he didn't know he was going to be his ref that night. He probably had no idea because the refs are randomly assigned. Exactly. I, I'm in defense of Chris Jericho here. I think Jericho is innocent. Scott Steiner is out next. He is the television champion. He's out with Buff Bagwell. He does the whole Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. Talks about being Superman, some other stuff. Typical Scott Steiner nonsense. <laughs> Buff in the ring does the Dirty Bird dance that the Atlanta Falcons were doing at this time. The old uh, Jamal Anderson, because yes. this is when the Falcons were heading to the Super Bowl later that month or year to face the Broncos, which ended about as well as it did for WCW. They were defeated and pretty badly. <laughs> badly, and that was the end of it. Conan is coming out to face Big Papa Pump. Conan takes out Buff Bagwell and gets battered by Steiner when he gets to the ring. Conan clotheslines Steiner, who bails to the outside. Shivani, again, as if we hadn't clicked over yet, again, tells We're us. We're going to remind you. Again, Cactus there is something Jack. better on a different channel. Watch it now. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what I heard. Yeah. But Pretty yes. much. Mick Foley, who wrestled here one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Don't flip over, folks, because they're taped. Mick Foley, who once wrestled here as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. I mean, that's going to be their world champion. Eric, you got something to say about that? And we're alive. What's funny is that Bobby Heenan is totally silent during this, or Larry. Well, because you know, you at this point in time, it was Heenan. 
But you know in the back of Heenan's mind, Heenan is a brilliant wrestling mind. You knew he was like, we are shooting ourselves in the foot by just doing this. Bagwell rolls Conan back into the ring with Scott Steiner. Steiner hits a belly-to-belly on Conan. Steiner carries Conan to the corner, but Conan fights out of it. Conan hits a float over DDT to Steiner off the top turnbuckle. Then Conan hits that ugly-looking X-Factor, which Steiner botched. How to yeah, take that it. was bad. <laughs> he, like, face plants himself. Then Conan goes for the Tequila Sunrise, but Buff gets the belt and strikes Conan with it, and DQ, the match is over. Conan's your winner. And some NWO ref. Who is this NWO ref? I have no idea. It was not Nick Patrick. Some other NWO ref with a broken with arm. With a broken arm. But Bro- this guy didn't last long. I don't know. He looked a lot like Headbanger mosh almost so this nwo ref runs to the ring and helps steiner and buff beat up conan so i don't remember this at all i don't either and then buff looks at the camera and he has his hat his top hat with his face on the top of his top hat and he just loves he says isn't that a beautiful face yes and he just he loves his hat that's really what came of this match is i know that buff bagwell loves his hat (laughs) so i'm glad that we spent time Learning that. Promo for Sold Out. That's the next pay-per-view. It's coming up in uh, a little over a week. WCW sold out. Yes, no more NWO. They they no longer have ownership of this pay-per-view. Wrath is out next. Uh-oh, he has a microphone. He says he's been pile-driving the competition like a runaway freight train. He says, you know you paid your money to see Wrath drop the thermonuclear drop on the dog. And he says he needs some competition. Giving now, Wrath a push here. This was... Well, to my knowledge, this was nothing more than a ripoff of Adam Baum, which he was doing in 93 and 94. This was another, just like with Hugh Morris earlier in the night, here they are trying to build another monster. Yeah. So what do you do when you have a monster? You bring out a bigger monster, Bam Bam Bigelow, of course. Who, in my opinion, carried this match. Well, they not a lot of fine wrestling between the two of them here. Bam Bam Bigelow answers the challenge, the beast from the east. Wrath takes Bigelow off his feet with some clotheslines. Bigelow sends Wrath to the outside. They brawl around ringside. Eventually, Bigelow gets a chair and brings it into the ring. Bigelow tries to powerbomb Adam Bomb onto the chair, but Mickey J gets rid of the chair. Good ref. He scoots the chair out of the ring. Wrath back body dropped him anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Bigelow and Wrath battle on the outside again, and ding, 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 no contest to Wrath and Bigelow walk and brawl to the back stage area. So what did this accomplish here? Not a damn thing. Way to make your, your badass. He just cut a badass promo. He looked super strong getting a double count out. Yeah. No contest. <laughs> good good work, guys. And now we cut back and we see Miss Elizabeth. Yes, and now the investigators are clued in. The worst investigators, by the way, on the history of the earth. <laughs> yeah, these are bad. They gave her so much credibility, and now, now they're starting to break. Was it a Coke out of the Pepsi machine or a Pepsi out of the Coke machine? Or were you at the water cooler? Was it black tights or... Or red spandex tights? Was he wearing orange or was he wearing black? Was it the gym or was it the world's gym? Was it? <laughs> well, what's funny is they tell her, you know Goldberg wears black tights. He could have worn different tights that day. <laughs> These are the worst cops. This, this actually, what this Nitro did accomplish, it didn't accomplish much, Patrick, but what no. it did accomplish is makes you think, it makes you think that the Atlanta Police Department is are, an, are in, dumb. incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're ever in jail in Atlanta, just when you get arrested, tell them to watch this episode of Nitro and say they have the whole thing thrown out because these guys are idiots. Yeah. So Elizabeth finally breaks. 
She apologizes and says she's really sorry. She could have been mistaken. The investigators mention that maybe she'll face perjury charges. I mean, she should. Yeah. At least filing a false report. Yeah. At the minimum here. So then we go back to the arena. We have the Nitro girls doing another dance in the ring. Then we go to the announce desk. And Tony says, trust me, guys. Goldberg will be back. He is technically right. Goldberg did make it back. Heenan says Goldberg will show up naked if he has to. Why would he be naked? I, I don't I don't know how to answer that, really and truly. Yeah. Up next, it's our, in WWE's terms, it's our co-main event of the evening. Brian Adams and Vincent. We got Crush and Virgil from their glory days walking to the ring. And then Diamond Dallas Page, his dubbed over theme hits, which kills his crowd reaction because this Georgia Dome went wild. Yeah. They were happy to see DDP. Yeah. But you can't hear the crowd because of this dubbed over theme. They get in the ring, they exchange some sloppy looking strikes. Brian Adams bails outside to get away. He's overwhelmed by Diamond Dallas Page. DDP eventually gets a springboard splash onto Vincent and Brian Adams. It was weird to see DDP doing an over-the-rope move. Yeah. Vincent holds DDP so Adams can stomp him when he gets tries to get back into the ring. They take a commercial break, Patrick. Now, they could show us all of Bam Bam Bigelow and Wrath, but we cut away from the, I would say, the second biggest babyface in the company. We're going to cut away and go to a commercial during his match. So we come back to the match. DDP hits a swinging neckbreaker on Crush, then tries the diamond cutter. Crush pushes him away. Then... Crush low blows DDP as DDP was going up top to the turnbuckle. Then Crush hits a shitty looking pile driver on DDP in the center of the ring. He didn't even get DDP's legs in the air. No. Which sounds dirty, but it's it's not. He just, it looked like shit. Yeah, it looked bad. Adams locks in a bear hug on Diamond Dallas. Ooh, the bear hug. Vicious. One of, next to the back rake, a giant hug or a scratch on the back. Two of my favorite terrible moves in wrestling. Adams hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker for a two-count on DDP, and DDP counters a slam into a DDT, and then Adams hits the inverted atomic drop on Diamond Dallas Page, then he whips Page to the corner. Vincent tries to hit DDP from behind as he's in the corner, but DDP throws him off, and then Crush charges Diamond Dallas Page in the corner, and DDP hits a modified diamond cutter off the top rope off the top turnbuckle, onto Brian Adams. The crowd goes mental for this. DDP gets the win. And the crowd is actually happy. Something yeah. good happened to the crowd tonight. And then DDP exits through the crowd because he is the people's champion. The, and, the real people's champion. And this also explains why he wouldn't come back out later that night and save Goldberg, I guess. Because Goldberg needed some help later that night from a ba another baby face. And there's not one to be found. There's no, yeah. What did you think of this match? It was a good match. Brian Adams is a is a guy that I really have always liked watching wrestle. I would say match of the night, really and truly. I like the cruiserweights better, but this was okay. This gave this is what the people wanted. Yeah. So the, give the, them what they want. This was a good. I mean, when you go back and look, there wasn't that many actual matches. There was more kind of cluster. This was a good, clean match, though. So. Goldberg is still in the CNN Center. He's banging his head against the wall because he's so frustrated. They uh, they walk back in. They tell him to stop banging his head. They tell him, listen. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but we were just doing our jobs. She filed a police report. Apparently she lied. We're sorry to inconvenience you. At this point in time, Goldberg is pissed. He's like... 
Take, Take these, handcuffs. these handcuffs off of me. And they unhook one side, and he goes, get me to the dome <laughs> now. And these nice police officers, <laughs> they escort him right back out. The CNN Center is not that far from the Georgia Dome. It's like a three-minute walk. Not but even he, he takes his time getting back. Yeah, because, because we had a commercial break. Here comes Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer into the ring. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Michael Buffer mentions that we're in the home of the Falcons and that they are division winners and in the playoffs. Michael Buffer ruining it for Falcons fans everywhere. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Iro goes off everywhere. Oh, my goodness. Hulk Hogan with Voodoo Child comes out. Yes, but it's dubbed over on the network, so it's the NWO theme. So he's strumming his guitar to the NWO theme, and he walks out with fellow NWO Hollywood member Scott Steiner. Big Papa Pump. And he didn't bother changing into his tights for his impromptu match, so that's good, because if you really were to believe that he was not there to wrestle, he shouldn't have walked out in his tights. Right. Attention to detail. Also, it's just him being lazy, too. So (laughs) Buffer mentions him running for president. Gives him a huge talk-up. This, I was going to say about that right here. This was the biggest talk-up I have ever heard a professional wrestler get. Oh, well, Nash's is pretty good, too. Yeah. The Wolfpack music hits, and here comes the champion, Kevin Nash. He gets a pretty good pop from the crowd. He's still a babyface. The NWO yeah. Wolfpack. Wolfpack was still, was still over. Yeah. Buffer's introduction of him is I think even worse than Hogan's because it's like, even though he was born in Detroit, Michigan, his accomplishments have made him a citizen of the world. And then he and then he mentions he's the best big man in the business today. Then Nash stops after he walks halfway down the entry ramp. He does the old the old click two-handed point point thing. And out walks Scott Hall in a Wolfpack shirt. Face turn for Scott Hall. Scott Hall has joined the Wolfpack. Here we go. The bell rings. Ding ding. Nash imitates the Hogan shirt rip. He rips off his Wolfpack shirt Whoa. like Hogan does. Yeah, it's very glorious. Hogan then, circles around him one time. The, Hogan walks up. Then the crowd, what's funny, the crowd was on their feet for the start of this match. And then they start to sit down because they're like, oh, we're going to be here a while. Yeah. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. Hogan walks up. Nash goes, I'm going to let you have the first shot. Hogan reaches. He's getting pumped. He reaches back. He rears as far back as humanly possible. Swings forward, stops, and just pokes him with one tiny little finger in the chest. And what happens? Prior to the infamous poke, there was a little bit of offense because Nash... Shoved Hogan into the corner, much like the Goldberg match. Oh, yes. I, where, I uh, forgot. That was, yes. Much like the Goldberg match with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series yes. this year, how there was the test, of the show of strength where Nash shoved Hogan into the corner and then did the wolf pack symbol in the air, the W's yeah. in the air. And then, yeah, before the infamous poke happens, Tony Schiavone says in a very, th- these are words he will regret later on. This is what world championship wrestling is all about. And then Hogan, yes, extends his finger. And in with that extension of his finger, seals WCW's fate as Nash has the most dramatic flatback in all of pro wrestling history off a finger poke. Hogan covers one, one two, three. Well, he's been in so many big matches. Well, he has. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the winner, a new heavyweight champion of the world, from NWO Hollywood. It is unbelievable, the new world heavyweight champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And Bischoff comes alive on the, (laughs) for the first time all night, the announcement. Golly jeepers, holy cow. We've got a new world's champion. The NWO all come into the ring and ha ha ha, fuck you, audience. <laughs> yeah, that's fuck really... you for buying a ticket. <laughs> fuck this championship. You're all a bunch of suckers. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. The joke's on you. You losers. Yeah. As the NWO celebrates, and before we get into what happens immediately after the cel well, during the celebration. Can we just talk about this for a second? Yeah, let's let's we need to spend time on okay. this. Okay. What were they thinking? I have no idea. I know going into it, this was the we did a show not too long ago about it. Um the last time they were in the dome, uh, which they did twice a year, it was Hogan and Goldberg. It was perfect. And it was it was it was, it was Well, perfect. the undercard s- stunk, but the Goldberg but they, parts. They it was Hogan's idea to put the title on Goldberg. Uh then he got pissed off. Because Goldberg wasn't really defending the title in the way he thought. And so this is what they decided to do to get the title back on Hogan to try to ride out whatever crap they were doing back in 97 and 98 when they all they did was just screw themselves. Now that's backstory that I've gotten throughout the years. Well, there were a lot of things that ultimately killed this company. But this but- one was a this one was a cocaine shot straight in the vein. This one really this this put a big nail in the coffin. Yes, and by their own, they did it to themselves. Yeah, that's what's crazy. That's the bad part. Yeah. What I wanted to talk about was that there's there's one thing that you cannot mess with, you can't fuck with in pro wrestling. No matter if you're an indie company, no matter if you're the WWF, the WCW, whatever, yeah. and that is the world title. Yeah. Because the whole idea of the idea of any sport is to be the champion. The world champion, yeah. This is what everybody's fighting for. Right. This is what they want. This is what guys spend their whole careers yearning for. Yeah. Is this belt. So no matter what else you fuck up in your company, you can have Kiss play a concert, you can have you can have Bret Hart come out and say that the count was fast. You can have all these other mistakes WCW made. But you can't fuck with the belt and the reason is is because that's everything centers this is the sun in in the wrestling universe the world title is what everything revolves around right and the minute you say to me well this just doesn't fucking matter it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean anything because that's really what they did yes that the title didn't mean jack shit that we can just that we'll just lay down that this is just garbage that this is just our own title is garbage it's my, my personal opinion the world heavyweight title if you date its lineage goes back to 1906 okay now that title has made multiple transformations throughout the years that title now con- is considered and recognized being a part of wwe throughout the purchasing and and all that if you follow the title's lineage that title at this point in time still was the title from 1906 okay and they took spray paint well they had already done that i'm not i know i'm talking about the first time though back in 96 and spray painted on it the letters nwo k 
can't do that. That goes right back to like you were saying. You don't screw with that title. You can't do that. And then that was just a hint at the fact of here we're coming down to it. We're going to have a title match. And then you shit on it. You shit on a title match by having a finger poke. A finger poke? Not even a DQ. Not even a fuck finish. No. A finger poke with a clean one, two, three. That just, it, it goes to show you that in Hogan, in Hogan's mind, and in Nash's mind, and in the minds of everybody at that point in time that had money, or in WCW, they didn't care about the business. They didn't care about the company. This was just their playground. This was their playground to show up, screw around, get paid, go home. When you had guys undercard, or you, when you had guys on the undercard like Chris Jericho, like a Psychosis, Rey Mysterio, Benoit, Benoit, like a Booker T, Hugh Morris, Norman Smiley, <laughs> I, and I say that because Norman Smiley is a hell of a wrestler, but that legitimately would give anything to be in that main event spot. That's not even screwing. That's not even screwing over the fans. That's screwing over those guys who are busting their ass to put on a good show that would trade one minute of their match to be in that position and you fuck on them too. You, you just shit on them too. I mean, like, come on. People sometimes point out that the WWF did this with the European title with DX. Shawn Michaels basically laid down for Triple H for the European title. Yeah. That's the European title. And it also that, played into their storyline that they're tag partners. That this and also the belt that belt doesn't mean anything. It's it wasn't the European the, title. It's not the world title. And they had done that two years earlier. So that's probably where I think this idea Kevin Nash probably saw that two years ago and thought, that was pretty funny. Oh, it was pretty good. This was just... They made their own belt devalued by doing this. They told you to go watch... The other competition. The other competition put on an actual main event with a real title change. A real meaningful title change to Mick Foley. Yeah. I just can't believe it. It makes no sense. It really and truly makes no sense whatsoever. And... and just shit on your own fans. Yeah. Because that's what they did. Really and truly, the fans were like, okay, we're, we're pumped, man. We're going to see... Hulk Hogan in his final match. I mean, even then, you had quite a bit that weren't NWO Hollywood Hogan fans. But they were like, still, you're going to see. How many fucking times has Terry Funk retired? Right. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not knocking this. I'm saying this as a praise to the fact of Terry Funk gets drawn back into the company, gets drawn back into wrestling because of the fans. Because... At the end of the the end of his time frame, when it's all said and done, and Terry Funk tries to walk away, his last match, I guarantee you, you say it's going to be his last match. That place will be standing room only, just like it has always been, just like it always will be, because fans are some of the most loyal people. Wrestling fans are some of the most loyal people in sports, and they will show gratitude and thank you for you giving them entertainment and when you fuck over the fans like that there's only so much fucking with that you can get away with you can do it a lot you can really yeah push your audience away in droves <laughs> yeah but this is this is no turning back yeah this is i'm not i remember watching this as a kid the aftermath also seals it for me i'll get back to my reaction in a minute but then so goldberg 
despite being a two-second walk away, arrives in a car. Yes. He hops out, and he books it. He runs all the way into the ring, so okay. Even though this has all been just a big shit show, at least Goldberg's going to get in there. And he's going to have his title match. He's going to have his title match, and he's going to clean house. He's going to take off this new, this new. oh my god, the NWO is reformed again. Here we go again. He's going to tear it down before they get started. Yeah, he's going to get rid of all those guys, and then we're going to start our match. You were promised that if he got back in the ring, you were going to get his match. If he made it back to the arena, he was supposed he to have He was going to get his match. You were promised that as a fan. You were promised that as a viewer. Proceed. So now Goldberg arrives. He books it to the ring. He takes out Steiner, Hall, and Nash. But then Hogan gets a belt shot in on him and slows him down. But doesn't slow him down for too long because he spears Hogan. Then Lex Luger shows up. From, and he's behind Goldberg, so Goldberg can't see him at first. He rips off his NWO shirt, so another baby face, you think, has arrived to help Goldberg. No! Oh, you thought someone was coming to help you? Yeah. No. Luger heel turns. He hits Goldberg, an axe handle smash to Goldberg's back. And then the NWO help help Luger torture rack Goldberg in the middle of the ring. And then ha ha, ha ha ha, more NWO bullshit. Oh, by the way, Miss Elizabeth shows up in this ring. Oh, yeah. Even though she should still be at the police. She should be, and she's the one in trouble. Yeah. She just shows up in the ring, no ref, you know, no mention of that. And then Hall has his taser, so he starts tasing Goldberg. Just, they, just right? long enough to be able to handcuff him to the ropes. Yeah, they handcuff Goldberg to the ropes. Oh, by the way, none of the other baby faces in the back. Like I said, DDP, he's gone. Yeah. Sting, he's injured. Bret Hart, where's he at? Where's anybody at? Yeah. To help. Yeah. So then Hall has the taser and starts tasing Goldberg some more, which Bischoff on commentary is pretty funny here and going, doing the electrocution sounds. Bischoff's going nuts. He loves it. He loves watching his own company burn to the ground here. They all take turns stomping him. Then they get out the spray cans. And here we go again, Patrick. They get out the, the world title, and this time with red spray paint. Yeah. Instead of black, because this is the new wolf pack. This is the bad wolf pack. Nash and Hogan spray paint the world title belt with the red spray paint NWO. Nash, by the way, why is Nash not upset that he dropped this belt? To why would Nash go along with this plan, logically? It was all about trying to form what they had in 96 and 97 with having the belt on him. So they figured, well, we'll just put the belt right back on Hogan and everything will change. Everything will go right back in place like it once was. It, it doesn't work that way. Then, the ultimate disgrace here, Hogan gets the spray paint and spray paints Goldberg. And then Nash gets the spray paint and sprays paints the back of Goldberg's bald head black. And starts really getting it in his eyes at one point in time. He's getting close to his, like, his eyes, and I'm thinking, well, he's going to blind I'd him. I'd be super pissed. I, yeah, I, he's going to blind him. And, so. and then Goldberg is out, basically. The NWO all pose in front of the camera, and Kevin Nash says it's like deja vu all over again. This is now Hulk Hogan joining the red and black. Yes, because they're the hotter group. So right. Hogan said, oh, I'm not going to let yeah, them no. get... Not, here's... Here, Hogan is so full of his own shit. Here he is. He's the he's running NWO black and white, but because they weren't over anymore and the red and black was, oh, well, I've got to go over there and I've got to run them now, brother. We'll just take them over. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to be in charge of them. I've got to be the, the number one guy. What did he think would happen? Because the roster they left him with on NWO Hollywood, you're talking about Virgil, Brian Adams. Not that Brian Adams isn't great or whatever, but yeah. it's not the caliber. Like, the Wolfpack had... Sting, Macho Man, and Luger in it. 
So right there, three main eventers compared to NWO Hollywood, which had Buff Bagwell yeah, uh, and Mr. Perfect. Kurt Henning. So there was, there was some talent in Hollywood, but they're just not pushed WCW talent. Oh, yeah, what I was going to say, I remember watching this as a kid, and I remember saying, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. You've betrayed me. I stayed. I probably. I stayed up way past my bedtime to watch this shit. You know. And yeah. Yeah. I'm just. I'm done. And I remember not watching again until I saw that they had changed the set, and I was like, "They changed the set. That looks weird. What yeah. is this?" And then I just never watched. After yeah. This. So, congrats, WCW. This is what drove me away. But when I was younger, in '96, '97, I preferred WCW's product for yeah. the most part. I did too. But this was... But this... Not only did you see... This night formed in the way of being able to see... Not only were you able to to flip and see what WWEF, WWE, Raw was doing because you were guaranteed you were going to get a title switch. That opened up the doors for an hour and a half worth of Raw that these viewers, when they they switched over, they got to see... And saw, well, damn, this product's better. They're on fire. They know what they're doing. They watch the title, the title change. They flip back over, and to put that nail in the coffin, oh, well, WCW has the title change too. Yeah, but it was with a finger. <laughs> a finger poke. Now, not only did I just go from an hour and a half of watching great wrestling on Raw to switch back over and see that that's what you're doing on your No, screw that. I'm watching Raw from now on. Yeah, and that's that. They never won another. They never won another Monday Night Wars segment. After no, I mean they were done. This was it. I mean, to be fair, the ship was starting to sink before this. Yeah, they they were still a profitable company. But after this, I mean, at this point in time, it wasn't just a couple months later. Russo got involved. Oh yeah, Bischoff got the pink slip, and yeah, and it just it. It really went off the rails after this. Yeah. I mean, when, and, and I, if I ever get the chance, I'm going to ask Russo a lot of stuff. But if I ever get the chance, I'm going to ask him the one thing is why in the hell would you have a Viagra on a pole match? <laughs> well, that's for another day. Maybe that'll be a review down the I road. I mean, seriously, though? Really? But no one, I mean, we weren't, no one was watching at that point. So just do whatever. I was, but that's the bad part. So, I mean,. Okay, what I wanted to ask you, too, okay, which is worse? Which is worse, Patrick? The finger poke of doom title change or the David Arquette title change? Which is worse? Finger poke of doom. Wow, that was quick. I thought that there would be some debate as to Mm -mm. this. Finger poke of doom. I think the finger... David Arquette, and this is where I stand, and and when I've had this discussion with fans and other wrestlers, I, I tend to piss them off. David Arquette still brought some some realism to the fact of, holy shit, he just stumbled into this, but yet yeah, he's our world champ. And he didn't have title defenses. The very next time he defended it was at the pay-per-view when he lost it. Yeah. So it's just kind of one of those freak things that happened, which was great. The finger poke of doom is so bad because not only did you shit on the title, you shit on your fans. When you go to the Georgia Dome two times a year in Atlanta, Georgia, your home oh, yeah. base. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. I forgot that, that that's the cherry on top is that this is your your, your main market. Your main market. They're Madison Square Garden, basically. Yeah. And you shit on your fans there. 
Not anywhere else. Not like you went to up north and you did it in Madison Square Gardens like, ha ha, fuck you, you need to be living in the south. No, you did it to your main roster of fans. Southern WCW Southern fans. hardcore Southern Roots wrestling Oh, man, fans. I bet, yeah, there's guys that, you know, were fans of NWA Mid-South, you know, long-time WCW diehards that were probably there that night that were yeah. just like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. That Also, when they lost them, these are wrestling fans that they're never coming back to. They're not going to go to the WWF. They're just gone. They're yeah. just out of the business. Yeah, like you said, this is this is worse than David Arquette. I think this is worse than Judy Bagwell on a pole, Viagra on a pole, anything oh, yeah. Russo ever did. Yeah, this is this is the worst. This is the worst thing that WCW ever did, hands down, bar none, signed, sealed, delivered. Because there is no way could they have done this more badly if they did it on a pay per view. I guess is the only way they could have done it worse. Oh, that would have been worse, yeah, because then you actually you made people spend money to watch that <laughs> shit. You made Hard people... subject to change, brother. Yeah. You made people spend money to watch that shit then. <laughs> I mean, no, this was this was shit, like, completely. And just, I mean, just the fact that it was free on television was bad enough. Just killing Goldberg, too. Yeah. Their one good thing that they had developed, you know, the last couple of years. Nah, just squash him. Just yeah. kill him in the ring. You had... Oh, yeah, they... I understand... They bait and switched you twice was, because you didn't get was, the Goldberg. Exactly. And it was bullshit the week before that they... Nash was pissed because Nash is like, we gotta get the title off of Goldberg. He's ruining the company. What the fuck do you think y'all were doing? So they screwed him and they ended the streak. He should have went undefeated. Well, he should. They should have. He should have been such a badass that they said, "You know what? It's it's become easy for you. We're going to take the title from you. We're going to put you at the bottom. You got to run it all the way again. And if you run it all the way again and you get the title for a second time undefeated, then I like that idea. They should have stacked done, the deck against you. They should have done that instead of making him lose because as soon as he lost, that killed Goldberg's game. It really hurt him. Oh yeah. They when they were going to beat Goldberg, whenever that would be, they should have done it in a twenty-five minute grueling match that you know came down to the wire that Nash just barely ekes out a victory instead right. of a fucking bullshit taser. You know. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. They they screwed they screwed the fans on that. And then just a, a week, a week or two later, later, yeah, a week later, yeah, the two ultimate. weeks, yeah, the finger poke of doom. Two weeks actually, yeah, two weeks later. I mean, it's like you said. There's only so much shitting on the fans are going to take to where they're like, you know what? Fuck y'all. I don't have to watch this crap. I do it because I want to. But if you're going to keep screwing me, then... They're going to torture you. After three plus hours of watching, they fuck you over. Yeah. If you stayed with them the whole time. But you probably changed the channel because they told you to change the channel. Yeah. Hey, there's going to be a title change. And Mick Foley, ladies and gentlemen, who wrestled here one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Off the rock. Nonetheless, yeah. I mean, I'm glad they didn't mention that because more people would have oh, switched yeah. over. Oh, yeah, if you would mentioned The Rock, it would have been over. Like, there were people who bought tickets would have left the stadium <laughs> to go home and Just watch. Just go home and watch. Yeah. That, I hope in that Nitro party suite, I hope they turned on Raw on the TV. That would have been funny shit, actually. So on your rating scale, Patrick. Oh, this, is, have... this is below Hornswoggle. <laughs> this is... Well, okay. This is... This is lower than Max Mini. This is, I wouldn't give this an Andre thumbnail. I mean, this was bad. On the rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, you are going below Hornswoggle. I'm going below Max Mini. I'm going Andre the Giant's toenail. 
Wow. Like, Andre uh, the Giant's toenail. This is, is, this is, without a doubt, shit. Now, okay, look at this car. Look at this nitro. Not This nitro as a whole without... This. Imagine clipping the Goldberg segments out and imagine clipping the ending out. I think this would be a good episode of Nitro. Really? Honestly, because the undercard to that Goldberg match we watched from 98, boy, that undercard stunk. There was like Scott fucking Putzky. The flock is in every match. That was garbage. That was... That show... This is like the invert. This is like... The exact opposite of that, to where... You had 10 matches on this show. Wow. 10 matches on this Nitro, okay? 10 matches. Hugh Morris was shit. That Squash. Was... Booker T's was shit. Squash. Chavo Smiley was good. For five minutes. Ben Horse was good. Yeah, that was okay. That was six minutes or seven minutes. Cigarette so two and two. Saturn, Jericho. Yeah, that was good. Cigarette so three, two. Kidman's... Kidman, Great. Mysterio, Psychosis, Hoobie. So you're at four to two, which was good. Scott Conan was shit. Yeah. Wrath Bam Bam was shit. <laughs> Brian Adams and DDP was shit. I thought it was good. It was. It was okay. It was okay. I would have given it a five. Okay, it's a lot closer than. Okay, so you would have given it, yeah, a five on a one to ten scale without the Goldberg. I mean, the Goldberg thing, you can't overlook that. You're, all, you're at five to five match-wise w- without counting the finger poke Okay, well, I think that I still think the uh, without the Goldberg stuff. Imagine that the main event had taken place as as usual, as advertised. I think it would have been a, a really good Nitro. I think they had potential here with this Nitro. If they hadn't of screwed the, the main event. If they had left the main event, if they just left it Hogan Nash and had a regular match, it'd been good. It was easy to save. People would still, you could still complain about, oh, we didn't get Nash and Goldberg, but, you know, I'd as WCW, I would want to save that. I'd want you to spend money on that. Yeah. I'd want you to buy that on pay-per-view. Yeah. So if I give you Nash Hogan, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I can let that go. And then Hogan can come back out and say, you know what's rekindled my fire for wrestling. I'm not retiring. Or some bullshit. But like he still that. vacates vacates the belt or something, or not? Just have him lose. Yeah, or have him lose. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was so easy to save this thing, this this company. They literally this show. they literally did everything humanly possible. They steered to the kill. Titanic into the iceberg. Yeah, they had plenty of opportunities to turn away from it, and they kept purposely steering straight into it. <laughs> so. On the scale of Hornswoggled to Giant Gonzalez, I am going to award this show as is. Andre's thumb t- or toenail. You gave it Andre's toenail. I'm going to give it Pepe the Horse. Just the head of Pepe the Horse from Chavo Guerrero as we sadly lost Pepe tonight yes. in a vicious attack. Now, without the, the f- fuckery, I think I would have probably given this a six, a five or a six on the a one to ten. Without so we're we're both in agreement with everything. It's shit. Without it's about fifty fifty. For a typical, like I said, that that episode of Nitro we watched from '98 had one of the worst undercards I can ever remember. Oh yeah. So this this undercard wasn't that bad. There are worse TV cards out. Your undercard and your your undercard can be shit, and your main event will be great, and you can have a successful show. Your undercard can be great, and your main event shit, and it's a bad show. Yep. That's the power. That's the power of the main event spot right there. Also, I wanted to point out just all the people that were missing off this show. Like I said earlier, Macho Man, Sting, 
Bret Hart, Kurt Henning, Kurt Henning. Um, just for a a company with the roster the size of them to not have their a lot of their stars ever show up and wrestle. Yeah, I mean for various reasons uh, that they don't wrestle. But I drug us to this I, I, terrible, I, terrible show, and I'm I'm sure it it didn't make you feel good watching the death of your favorite company. But I almost to pay you back. Almost. And I said this was as mu- as as controversial as. The Montreal Screwjob. This isn't really controversial. This is just stupid. Yeah. Sorry. I used the wrong terminology. Yeah. This was just... Yeah. But it's the most... I would say, is this the most talked about WCW moment? Not counting Hogan turning Bad moment? Yes. Okay. Bad Nitro moment? Yes. Most talked about... Well, most talked talked about about would be... Was Hogan turning. Okay. Because, I mean, that was... That's most most talked about. Bash the Beach 96. Yeah. But if you're going just Monday Night Wars... Monday Night Wars. Yeah, this is the most talked about moment. It sealed it. It psh. This is over. <laughs> Anybody who can who can jump into a life raft, do it now because it's there ain't no coming yeah, back. Jericho got out at a good time. <laughs> Everyone, like I said before, Vince is always hail. What a great businessman. Vince McMahon. He's just so smart and whatever. This company, WCW was doing it for him. Oh know? yeah. They were taking the sword and falling on it themselves. Yeah. They didn't need he didn't need, all he had to do. He just had to wait them out. Yeah. That was the thing. If he could create stars like he did with The Rock, Triple H, with uh, Owen Hart, Austin, like he if he could create stars and wait them out, it'll take care of itself. It'll and he he has openly said that if I could create stars and wait them out, I I was going to win. There was no doubt about it. Yeah. So Patrick, I'm sorry for this week. I really I almost screwed you and made you watch ECW. I really almost did. Oh, we haven't gone to the uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling yet. Well, it is December. I almost I almost did. But I, I, as long as it's not WWE CW where it was December no. to dismember, I was going to make you watch Dusty and ECW. Wow. Well, we'll do that sometime, and sure. ECW 2000. But it's getting cold here. It's been in the teens most nights. Yes, it finally got cold in Chattanooga, here in Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. So I'm going to take us back to brighter, sunnier days. I'm going to take us back to summer days. I'm going to take us back to July. And what happens in July? The Great American Bash. <laughs> well, you're very patriotic. Very patriotic. And I'm going to give you, as a Christmas present to you, to show you just how great, grand, and wonderful, because there are a few out there that I still still argue that Ric Flair is not the best ever. I am going to prove them wrong. If you will sit down and watch Great American Bash 1990 and show how he takes a little kid who's only been in the business for two years to the main event stardom and drops the title to this little kid named Sting. Awesome. I've never seen this show. And how it goes from here to the very top. To Space Mountain. To Space Mountain, brother. Awesome. Well, I'm excited because I haven't seen this one. Yeah, this is Sting finally getting his his very first world title. His most memorable world title win, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we will go next week. Back to 1990, staying in WCW for the Great American Bash, the GAB in WCW. Well, that'll do it for episode 15 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young, saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. January 4th, 1999. Welcome to Atlanta! 40,000 fans are on hand for 
WCW Monday Nitro. During what would go down as the biggest single night turning point in the Monday Night War. Mankind won the WWE Championship on an episode of Raw that was taped a week earlier. WCW would counter-program with a title match of their own between Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan on Nitro. But Eric Bischoff would go one step further, and in a desperate attempt to regain control of the ratings, WCW's president would revert to an old trick by revealing Mick Foley's championship moment. One of Eric's producers walked out and she said, they just switched their title to Mick Foley. Eric wants you to really make it sound like the worst thing in the world ever happened. If you're even thinking about changing the channel to our competition, fans do not. Because we understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here one time as, as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Oh, it's going to put some butts in the seat. Yeah. Denigrating that title win, minimizing it, trying to make it feel irrelevant was part and parcel of what I did every time I went on the air. It was about Nitro kind of staying true to its message, which is screw you, we're going to do this, we're irreverent, we don't give a shit what the rules are. Was it the most brilliant thing I've ever done? Probably not. On that night, over half a million people switched from Monday Nitro to Monday Night Raw. When the History Channel does great military blunders, that will be right up there as far as like stupid things to do when it comes to trying to, to thwart an enemy. What they did do was create awareness for a major moment occurring, and they basically did a promo for us. You guys ought to really be watching WWE because tonight, believe it or not, Mick Foley. You remember Mick Foley? Mick Foley becomes the WWE champion tonight. <laughs> Thanks. And what should have been a huge night for WCW turned into a huge night for WWE. Those that stayed with Nitro would see firsthand how much control Bischoff had lost in WCW during an event that would live in infamy as the finger poke of doom. What was that about? What? What? What's going on here? What? What? What just happened here? That was hype like the match of the century. And what they got was a popcorn fart. Any way you look at it, it stunk. To do something because you have the power to do it and do it only for that reason, not for the good of the company or the good of those people that bought a ticket that night, pretty selfish. That was Hogan and that was Nash playing their own little games against the wrestling world. And they're infamous for doing that. Kevin Nash and I came up with this big scam within the NWO to fool everybody that business-wise, the finger poke of doom seemed like a great idea. But at the end of the day, 
things. That was a horrible idea. You can say it killed the business, it did this, it did that. I mean, I didn't set the pieces in place. I just tried to make it make sense. There was no way to make it make sense. The new oh. world heavyweight champion, the NWO. <laughs> Nash just laying down, come on, pin me. That was one of the ends of that real era of WCW. People looked at that and just go, what are these guys doing? The greatest draw for WWE in that one month period was WCW fans pissed off at WCW for being ripped off and they were looking for something else because WCW drove them away, gave them a lift to the competitor's parking lot.